Hey everyone, we have another special episode from RTX 2019, and this time we're talking with Brennan Lee Mulligan and Allie Beardsley from Dimension 20, College Humor's Dungeons & Dragons campaign web series available on their streaming service Dropout. So, take a listen and excuse the background noise. could just um, say your names and how you would like to be referenced. Sure. Uh, uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, uh, uh, creator, cast, uh, creator of Dimension 20, uh, college member, cast member, uh, he, him, pronouns. Awesome. Cool. cool. And uh, I'm Allie Beardsley, uh, partaker in Dimension 20, cast member, uh, and I use they, them. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, let's jump right into it because I need to hear about how y'all got into D&D. So, I got into D and D purely from Brennan. <laughs> uh, Brennan, how did you get into D and D? I've been playing D and D since I was ten years old. Um, uh, so for the past twenty one years, I've been playing this game. Uh, it's a damn hoot. Um, uh, I got into it because uh, I was a big old dork to begin with, and my mom was like, "Hey, like this game, I think would be something you'd really like." Cause she, she was a comic book writer, so she was like in nerdy spaces. That is amazing. Elaine Lee, look her up. Uh, uh, starstruck. Um, uh, but she uh, very correctly guessed that I would like this game. I liked it so much that I played it nonstop for my entire life. So, <laughs> uh, that's how I got into D and D. Yeah, it was, it was truly. Uh, I had always liked D and D, but I grew up so religious, uh, and my mom was really afraid of the game. I think uh, there's a lot of people in that world who think it's like the devil, yes. or, you know. Yep. Uh, and so I was never able to play, but I've always been super into fantasy and uh, you know tabletop games for sure. And uh, then when I met Brennan, he was like, "Hey, we're going to start a D and D show. Would you be interested?" And I was like, "Definitely." So I just had to learn. Like on the fly. So Allie's first time playing D and D was on camera. Was episode which, one? Was episode oh, one? Fantasy High. Yeah. Okay. They had yeah. never. They, we had like talked a couple times about. I think, I think we had one session zero where yes, you played, it's and, true. Then, and then and then other than that, the cameras rolled and we were going. Yeah, one quick session where we were kind of like drawing stuff on a paper. I remember as like the map. You yes, know, it was nothing exactly. like D twenty at all. <laughs> exactly. Very home game. Very home game. Very yeah. Very uh, recognizable as a home game. And yeah. then <laughs> and then we were in the dome. Yep. What was the hardest thing when you started playing? Well, okay, so I chose. Uh, I came into it with uh, ideas for characters. Like I was like I. I want to do a church camp girl. I want to do like a tie-dye shirt wearing like <laughs> church camp girl who's figuring out what like God means to her. 
And Brendan was like, great. Paladin? And I was like, never heard that word before. Uh, so Brendan fully helped me like bring my idea and bring it into the space of D&D. So for me, the hardest part was being the paladin of the campaign. Well, it was like we had paladin at first, and then we decided cleric. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, you're completely We did right. paladin the right. first. But it was one of those things where, because I was trying to soften the blow for a new player entering D&D for yeah. the first time. Also because we we do milestone leveling up after every combat episode. Mm-hmm. So the game, you don't even get the same amount of time to sit with your abilities as a player because you're leveling up so fast on Dimension 20. So there's an element of, we did Paladin first just to lessen spellcasting. But the more Allie talked about the character, it became more and more clear that it was like, this is a cleric. Like, because <laughs> I was like, so, you know, does does Kristen fight with like a sword and shield? And, you know, Allie was like, I think just like a staff and casting spells. And I was like, fuck. Um, yeah. wait, I don't know if I can curse. You can curse. Yeah, okay. uh, there's like, I was, but not, not because I didn't want Allie to play a cleric, because I knew that being a primary spellcaster is a lot of work for a new player. Yes. Yeah. That was the hardest part for sure, was being the, like, the healer and the, the spellcaster. It was like, okay, I had all these cards, like, help. <laughs> I, I would say whether it's a tabletop or an MMORPG, healers are always the, the hardest role. True, true champions, the unsung heroes. <laughs> exactly. Which worked out great because rolling has been insane for me. It's always like zero, or it's either one or 20 on stuff, so it's either like I'm really hurting the party, or I like come through at the last minute, you know? <laughs> oh, I feel it. I, I play an orc barbarian, Hell or yeah. half orc barbarian, um, but I'm a hyper aggressive orc barbarian. Yeah. So um, I may have hurt my party a few times no. with some critical fingers. <laughs> Just starting some shit that you can't then dig them out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But, um, so I do want to ask you so one of the things that's always been hard for me playing D&D is getting into my character, like actually having to act out. Like um, my DM would always make me orc roar whenever I would berserk. Um, and it's so hard to like kind of get over that like how, how do you all do that Allie and I are two of the most deeply shameless people absolutely um, <laughs> I would agree <laughs> we are veteran improvisers <laughs> meaning we get on stage once a week and bark like a dog uh, is that crazy. an ATM yeah exactly <laughs> I think I remember that scene. Um, uh, No, it's very true. So so what I would recommend is um, everyone's D&D game is different, and there's no one right way to play D&D. But if you're watching a show like Dimension 20 and you're interested in making a more theatrical, performative table in your home game, I think one of the things that cannot go understated is the importance of improv classes and improv training in myself and the experience of the other players at the table. Uh, Which is not to say that you need to be a great performer (laughs) to play that way because it's not about like being, being a great performer has to do with like you know stage presence and da 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 this is a, this is not an external thing this is just internal you getting comfy with being characters and doing voices yourself so for even those reasons I think improv classes can be really helpful we both studied at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater which is an incredible improv school um, and a lot of it is not about you know I would never say to someone for their own home game like put pressure on yourself to be funny yeah. <laughs> that's not what it's about it's about getting comfortable uh, sinking into the character to the point where you when you're speaking in their voice uh, uh, whether you're doing a, an accent or whether you're doing a character voice or whether you're doing whatever even if you're just speaking as yourself you're still locked into who that character is and you're feeling comfortable in that new role. Okay. 
That's really good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I also wanted to know too on a, on the DMing side. Have you? So you've said you've played for twenty one years, which is amazing. Um, have you? Because I know I've known some people who've played for a really long time but didn't want because have never DM'd. What like what made you think? Or I guess, how do I say that? Why DM? Because I know it's hard. There's so much sure. pressure on a DM. Um, I uh, wanted to play, and nobody else wanted to DM. Because <laughs> I did like the classics. Bro. No, I, like I, I was very excited to DM when I was. Little. I started DMing again when I was 10 years old, which is like that's the confidence of a 10 year. old Like I, I got in. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so that is the confidence <laughs> of a 10 year old. Yeah, I'm like I'll run this game. Yeah. Like I think if I if I had waited a couple more years. You know, puberty would have set in. I would have been like, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but when you're 10, you're like, nothing can stop me. I'm invincible. And so <laughs> I like uh, started DMing the game. Uh, the first day I ever DMed a game, I was 10 years old. All my little friends. It was a nightmare. My adventure was very bad and not fun. <laughs> and my friends were also mean about it and also weren't that great themselves. <laughs> <laughs> No offense to any of my friends listening to this podcast right now. Uh, uh, but um, th- I think the issue is uh, um, my f- basically at the end of the day, I would turn to my mom and she was like, how'd that go? And I was like, today was the most stressful day of my life. As a 10-year-old being like stressed. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I'm so sorry, sweetie. And I was like, okay, we need to schedule next week's. And there was something about it where it was like as bad as I was at it when I first started. I knew it was like a weird thing where it's like it's not about enjoying it it's like oh this is what I do I do this now uh, and then eventually it started being easier and everyone got better and it got fun um, but I think that often a DM is, is an act of I don't, I don't mean to make it this intense but there's a little bit of an act of service you know there's a group of, there's a group of, there's a group of friends that want to play and a lot of times it's someone is like okay I will do it and that's beautiful that's a, that's a cool thing um, uh, but I think if you're listening to this and you're on the fence about whether or not you should DM you absolutely should there's so many people that want to play that don't have anyone to run a game for them and uh, if you have the inclination you should go for it have you ever thought about DMing? No, I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, <laughs> but I would, I'm not opposed to it in any way. I think it would be really fun to set up like a, a side mini campaign or something. Definitely not a full one yet, but yeah. So what have been some of your favorite moments from season one and two of Dimension 20? Whether it was to act, to watch other people do, or even if it was like a moment where you had to just shift the campaign. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Well, Beardsley over here drops narrative nat 20s like it's their job. Like they get paid to do it. And honestly, they actually they do. They do get paid to do it. So, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really wild. There is, without any spoilers. I love you guys so much. Uh, I love the content you guys are doing. Going to your panel. So I'm super excited. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Thank you so Say much. Hey and everything like that. Thank you so much. We'll see you up there, man. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. Look forward to it. Um... Uh, without giving away any spoilers, uh, there is a like eleventh hour nat twenty from Allie Beardsley in season one that I had to improvise n- new elements of a cosmological reality. Oh, gosh. <laughs> to, 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 in other words, to say it was a world shaking nat twenty is actually understating it because multiple worlds were affected. A yeah, level. yeah, a cosmos oh, level nat twenty. So how powerful did that make you feel? Oh, so powerful. <laughs> I'm hooked on this 
game. It's like gambling. It's like I went to Vegas and I'm like, I'm gonna stay here. Uh, the dopamine was released. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just so fun to escape into fantasy, but it still carries the risk with it. Like, Brennan does an amazing job of making us feel like. I, I mean, I've honestly cried in both seasons and, and real tears. Like, you're having people meet their fathers or, you know, like family stuff that you just paint a picture that's so real but it is fantasy, but it's still like, fuck, like the stakes are real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I think it's, it's a truth about storytelling across media that fictionality isn't really a barrier to entry for most people to completely lose themselves in a world. You know, like uh, the, the characters, whether whether mythological or literary or whatever, the characters that have impacted our lives are so real to us. And there's a great article uh, about you know psychology that basically goes like, we don't store our memories of fiction in a different part of our brain yeah. than we store our real lived memories, which is alarming on one sense. Like, <laughs> oh no, our brains are broken. Yeah. But it's, 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 well, it's very Something handy. Something can hit you there. Something yeah. can hit yeah. you in, in a real... Something being fictional, it doesn't get sorted into the fiction bin. It is real on an emotional level, even if it's not real in a material mm-hmm. level. And uh, this, like, the, this show truly has all of that. It has, it has like, uh, emotional... Like, it has storytelling that's done in such a compelling way. And then it has, like, sheer fun. Sheer fantasy yes. adventure. Like, yeah... Uh, and playing with the six cast members we have, there aren't six people who are better suited to do what we try to do with the show, which <laughs> is be a comedy show, like like have laughter, like every episode is funny, and then do this incredible tap dance, sometimes moment to moment, of like very sincere, heartfelt storytelling intermingled with like the wildest stuff in the world. Like we had that scene, again, try not to give me spoilers, but we have a scene between Siobhan's character and another NPC in the very final kind of climactic episode of this show where the characters unveiling people people come up in a live show in Brooklyn and we're like that scene meant so much to me on a very real level because you're talking about very real stuff that scene also begins with a werewolf giving a blowjob and, um, and so it's like, how, like I hear what you're saying but like how man we yeah. juggling that, that those two elements so I mean like this cast you couldn't do it with any other cast in the world these six are like the, the best people in the world to play and I will say this like from having from having I watched we, we got to watch a little bit of the Unsleeping City and, and there's just like I'm getting like full on belly laughs where like I cannot contain myself especially when you first come in I'm just like oh and I also wanted to ask you because like I know you, it, it, I love what you said about like the memories that we make with fiction like fictive characters or you know, fiction moments kind of stay with us regardless because they don't get put into a different place one of the things that I've really liked about Dimension 20 is that like when people think of D&D they think of complete separation from the world they think of something extremely high fantasy out of everywhere but what I really liked especially um, watching you know the upcoming season and stuff is getting to see something that is real yeah and having the mythological element elements moved in it's like I love fantasy in all ways but there's always been something about that type of fantasy do you think that that helps people connect to y'all's characters or helps you connect to your character or anything I think so in a big way I mean there's obviously other challenges that come with that when, when you're when you're having to honor a real place so our second season The Unsleeping City is set in New York yeah. and you're trying to honor a real place that has real people in it and then add this mythological element that's fantastical but I think the reason we love urban fantasy is that also 
actually a very kind of almost childish reason for myself, which is that I think we all feel, we, we all catch ourselves feeling a lot of the time like there is magic in the world around corners. If that part of you that does feel like Platform 9 and 3 quarters is out yeah. there somewhere, <laughs> it does feel that way. And I think that living in New York, I felt like the city was magical every day I was there. Um, but I think it's also very powerful in terms of like representation and in terms of connecting hero- because I, I don't even feel like D&D should in its most pure form be escapist. Yeah. It is, there's a power fantasy and there's an element of fantasy in terms of like remembering what we're capable of but I love when we connect our mythology and storytelling to actually what we are called upon to do heroically in real life. Yeah. Uh, and I think that everyone that plays D&D hopefully carries some heroic traits from their characters uh, back into the world and a lot of the second season is about like fantastical allegory for very real shit at least for me mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I love my favorite genre is definitely magical realism so I know like season two was everything for me uh, <laughs> having it be in New York City grounded but then everything was just so fucking poetic like you can tell that you are like you can tell Brennan has like this background in philosophy because every place that we went was kind of like here's the battleground but also isn't this a metaphor for what we you know, like, okay, Brennan, you're really making me think, you know, fucking, you know, I don't know, pizza rat or whatever. I mean, that's not one of the things, but you just pick a random New York thing and you'd be like, haha, on the surface, then be like, oh, shit. Yeah, I should canvas more for my uh, local Democrats. Uh, and if it takes a minotaur, you know, where yeah. you're making pizza for people to discover that, then that's great. <laughs> you know, that makes sense. I'm sorry about you guys. My name is Sarah Gay. I'm the song Morgan. Hello, Morgan. Nice to meet you. Hi, Morgan. I'm Brian. Nice to meet you. Cheers. Morgan. 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 Uh, uh, Give the time for one more. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, so <laughs> one of the other things that I wanted to ask too is um, just, man, you know, I'm kind of throwing, I wrote questions. I've just been enjoying this conversation. <laughs> Ultimately, like, what are some of the influences that you have, like, when crafting this story and bringing, like, these philosophical elements? Because I know that, like, uh, whether it was, like, from fiction or from your own personal studies or anything, like, what inspires you to kind of, like, create this magic this magically real world I and mean, what inspires you know you as a character moving within that world totally um, it's funny Ali and I are actually both philosophy majors mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of like it, it's it's this dual thing of I love fantasy so much and I think with Unsleeping City there's an, there's an element of like uh, drawing on a lot of urban fantasy I'm thinking specifically like you know Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere yeah. or like uh, China Myville like you know Perdido Street Station or, or uh, uh, was it Unlundone mm-hmm. and it's I, like New York is a place that I wanted to be like no there is a secret 
the magical world underneath New York as well, um, uh, which you do see like magical New York, but it's almost always in like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or yeah. which are like action oriented. And this is you know, what would be like the beating mythological heart? Because the thing is that in all, all fantasy relates to mythology. Like all fantasy is born from mythology. And all mythology is born from humans and human cultures attempts to understand the world. Like we didn't make up dragons to fuck around. We made up dragons to attempt to describe the world as it was experienced, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, we're, metaphor is not best understood as a lie. Metaphor is an attempt to actually reduce something to a more understandable symbol so you can get it more. Yeah. Uh, and I think to that degree, like, having the the setting of like why bring the magic there or why bring the fantasy there is because uh, when you love fantasy just on its own because it, it resonates with you a feeling of the numinous in day to day life like the world is magical then it's just a matter of well you can tell any fantasy story so what kind of fantasy story do you want to tell and I think that's anytime I sit down to write something that is fantasy I always want to go like well already I'm winning I'm going to have some dragons here great I'm already having a ball so we're doing great and then it's like well okay any story could be made into a fantasy story so what kind of story do I want to tell and it's almost like I let it's like the ship is sailing on this like sea of fantasy but you're kind of guiding your chart by like philosophy and what matters to you like what do I want to say with these metaphors that we all want yeah and I think having it be this magical realism world I don't want to speak for everyone in the cast but it does seem like each of us in season two decided to play an alternate reality version of ourselves like maybe what could have been I know I almost moved to New York multiple times and just never did and I'm just kind of like for this character especially playing like a trans man I was like that's an interesting alternate reality not too far away it's definitely like where my interests lie but it, it was a fun like Zach playing uh, you know a firefighter it's like I could see Zach maybe pursuing that at some point I think it's so fun to see how all the characters in season 2 are so different from the characters in season 1 but because I know all the players I see that they're just showing a different facet Yes. Of themselves, which is really beautiful. Um, yeah, and I love it. In the, like, season one, I think, is a lot of personal allegories from people, too, really? of like resolving te- teenage coming of age issues. And it felt like the New York story was like, okay, we're not teenagers, so this is us as our like darker, grittier New York adults. <laughs> like, what if shit and hadn't resolving worked out? Like, yeah. like, what if shit hadn't worked out? What if I wasn't yes. like an improviser comedian working at college? Yeah. What if I was like a an drug- art- an art scene drug dealer <laughs> yes, kind totally. of deadbeat like, in New York is and like it, it, it was fun to like sky's the limit in that moment be like who am I gonna play okay this dude okay who sells drugs and then we can like see we can look at like consumption and what that does and it was yeah. fun to be able to tie like even the mechanics of the character as a wild sorcerer into what it's like to suffer from mental disease yeah. or in, yeah. to rely on street drugs and it was really interesting too to like to, to watch the D&D mechanics interact with very real shit because without, without any spoilers 
colors, Pete, Allie's character, is like, is trans and is on hormones, but is also like, like a lot of New Yorkers, like a deeply insomniac and taking some <laughs> other, like, other stuff for mental health. And then like, there's a, a lot of like crazy stuff with like doing that and then being like, and this person's a wild magic sorcerer. Yes. And, <laughs> and this person has to roll to see if anything goes through and maybe tank the party with each of these fucking, you know, but yeah, so it's it's a it's a total dream. It's been it's been awesome. It's like so much fun. Pete, so much fun. Uh, the other cast you guys will see in season two. We can't wait to show you every NPC. <laughs> so good in this season. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much. Um, real quick, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you guys? Uh, my name is Brennan Lee Mulligan. You can find me on Twitter at Brennan LM. You can find me on Instagram at, at Brennan Lee Mulligan, all one word. Uh, and you can find Dimension 20 on dropout.tv. Yeah, and I'm Allie Beardsley. I'm on Twitter as at AG Beardsley, and I'm on Instagram as at Allie Beardsley. And same, yeah. Check awesome. it out. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. So much. Thank you.